Hey. Oh, so what happened? What happened? I was asleep. Yeah, I fell asleep. Oh, did you notice your Twitter feed? Yes. Hey, listen. Hey, hey. The time is nay. The time is nay. Oh, my bad, guys. Uh, and now, he who commissions everyone we feature, Ian Miles Chong. <laughs> hey. Get out! <laughs> I am Miles Chong. I okay. am Miles. <laughs> yeah. well, we did uh, in August, and we did Papa and Yo, but we were just discussing Guild Wars 2 and how none of us really like MMOs, so count for us. I hate MMOs. on the PC playing games. I think, oh, never mind. Okay, so I've been planning to play Guild Wars 2, but I haven't gotten it yet. Like, I love the first game. I really love the first game. It was very different from, different from other MMOs in that you didn't have to pay a subscription fee, and it was very focused on cooperation instead of grinding. But I haven't had the chance to play the new one yet, so I can't really talk about it. Yeah. Okay, then. Mm-hmm. There you go. <laughs> I feel like I want to just go back to July and ask him his opinion on the secret world. No back in time. No, no. back in time. Okay. This is a perfect uh, death run. Okay, Chris, Persona 4 Arena. We mentioned it before, but it just there's so many Persona 4 games that I can't. I don't know which one is the game and which one isn't. So, well, what was this again? Persona 4 is sort of like a spin-off game that combines characters from Persona 3 and Persona 4 and probably some originals or something like that. And it's part fighting game and part role-playing game. And I have a copy, literally one for my right right here, but it's still in the shrink wrap because that's exactly how much time I've had to play games lately. So it's apparently a pretty engrossing game and a pretty good story for what is ostensibly a fighting game. Apparently it's sort of like an RPG with some fighting game elements as opposed to the other way around. That's interesting. I thought it was going to be a proper full-on fighting game. Yeah, I thought so too. Apparently, I mean, the, the fighting is decently strong. And I know that it's actually apparently run, won several awards for Best Fighting Game of the Year. So, I mean, it's not as though it's completely perfunctory. But it's competition with Soul Calibur Five. Yeah. In so, story and game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, kind of a sparse field, granted. But, no, it's apparently got a really strong story going on uh, that is satisfying to anyone who has played Persona 3 and or 4, especially 4, I would imagine. But it's not Persona 4 Golden, and that makes me sad. All right, here's another one. And I'm so glad Ian came back, because I know he's played this and he really liked it. Transformers Fall of Cybertron. Oh, yeah, that was a good game. Few people played it, but it's actually one of the better third-person action games I've played this year. You know, it combines cover shooting with... You can transform into a vehicle and just run up straight at them and just blast them away. It's got a really good storyline. If you follow the Transformers... It's set during the fall of Cybertron, which is when the Autobots were evacuating Cybertron because, you know, the Decepticons are being assholes. So... (laughs) (laughs) What are you doing, you dick? I'm just trying to live in Cybertron. This is the... You you left me to pick up the truck. (laughs) Yeah, so it's actually very good because you... Throughout the entire game, you get to play different characters. You get to play Optimus Prime, you can play uh, Bumblebee and all, all these different characters... But there's like a persistent weapon system where you can upgrade existing weapons that you have, like a you know a shotgun, a rocket launcher, and so on. 
And you carry that throughout the whole campaign, and you know the whole campaign has you playing all these different characters. It's very interesting because you're not st- stuck to a single single character. Like you know, if you play Gears of War, you're always playing Marcus Phoenix, but here you have all these different characters and have different styles of fighting and so on. It's very varied, as it were. So it's fun. It's a um, fun game. Okay, rushing forward. Anyone have anything nice to say about the new Super Mario Brothers Two? It has new in front of it. It's the exact same things I would have to say about the first new Super Mario Brothers game. It's a Super Mario, but it's, that's all it is. You know, it's a classic game, and it's good for what it offers, but it doesn't really offer anything new. It's not like Super Mario Galaxy or something. But all right, the twin AAA releases that came out this month: Darksiders Two and Sleeping Dogs. I'm still playing the first Darksiders. I, I picked it up on Xbox Games On Demand, and whenever I saw it, I was like, this has got to be one of the most bland games ever. When I first started playing it, I was like, this isn't as good as Bayonetta. And then I realized it wasn't meant to be like Bayonetta, it was meant to be like Zelda. And I thought, oh, this isn't too bad. But I kind of had a point in Darksiders about 15 hours in. I'm just kind of hit the wall, and I no longer want to play it. And so the idea of Darksiders 2, which is, yeah, 40, 40 more hours of that. The thing that I really enjoyed about Darksiders 2 was the horrendous amount of death-related puns that people put into their... Uh, <laughs> I've just, I just loaded up a document on my Mac, which is called Darksiders 2, Death to Puns. So, <laughs> do, you want a, do you want a brief rundown of the Darksiders puns? You know what? Sure. Let's have that be our entire thing on Darksiders 2. Okay, okay I'm just going to read through these. Kotaku, I am become death, destroyer of crates. GameSpot, <laughs> Darksiders 2, death is not an end. IGN didn't have a single pun. I don't know what they were thinking. That's not how you do journalism. Um, uh, the, the British Telegraph. This is his time, his place. And as we are all aware, death is inevitable. Polygon. For death ciders. Death ciders? Oh, Christ, I can't take it anymore. For dark ciders, <laughs> death breaks a much-needed spark of life. Oh. Oh. Eurogamer. Oh. Does death mark the end for dark ciders? Um, and I've also made a note that the, the strap line for it was Scythe Matters, which I thought was particularly good. Oh, oh my god! Uh, oh, gaming wow. Blend, Death Waits for No Puzzle. Uh, D- oh. Digital Spy, Play It to Death. So, um, Bit Creature did one that was basically a collection of death puns with the occasional extra sentence in. And it, uh, death takes many forms. Death is always there. Death is absolute. Shack News did Give Death a Try. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so who the game trailers, as always, are the pun master, where even before I watched the video, it said, lots of loot and a massive quest await for those who want to try living as death. So I counted five puns in the review, three in the space of a few seconds. It was, um, death takes a holiday, lives up to the name of its murderous protagonist, does death sojourn bring life, Prince of Persia could shadow death's wall grabs, and then they finished with, you simply can't beat death, so you might as well join him. <laughs> and at this point, I was just, just clapping, standing ovation, tears are rolling down my face. Thank you so much, Game Trailers. Your contribution to puns, you will never be forgotten. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is de- definitely the best pun collection of the year. So the other one, Sleeping Dogs. <laughs> I played that. It's like a Hong Kong action movie, one of those Chow Yun Fat movies, made into a video game. I got in trouble for previewing it. Why? Oh, well, yeah, 
You said it was shit. It was not shit. You're I terrible. Say, I, I didn't say it was shit. I said it was meh. No. That is what my yeah. dude says. It has good things. It has bad things. I said it was meh, and everyone dogpiled me for that. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. It's those game trailers puns. That, that and the half bottle of whiskey. I'm just set off now. <laughs> I wonder if that should be a thing that Cash should be half drunk next year. <laughs> I kind of spent most of last year's cast at least a few drinks under par, yes. It's just getting better and better as we go along. I think everybody's <laughs> Yeah, Ian wasn't here for when we were half normal. No, I wasn't, unfortunately. No, Sleeping Dogs does Grand Theft Auto almost as good as Grand Theft Auto. Like, the, the racing segments are really good. You know, it's actually better than, than GTA in that regard. But the fighting is what, is what I enjoyed most about Sleeping Dogs. I mean, apart from the storyline, the fighting is done the same in the same way as the Batman Arkham City and Arkham Asylum is done. Because I think it's the same combat system where, essentially, you can dodge attacks and you can counterattack. And it's done a lot better than GTA, because in GTA, all you do is mash buttons. And that's terrible. Yeah. And one of the things I got in trouble for is I said that the dodge buttons a bit, the but dodge and counter buttons are a bit finicky. It's just, no, it's not. You just can't play it. Dude, <sighs> I, I'm given, I was given a preview build. Yeah, you had, I you had figure a, it out <laughs> you had a one-year-old build, and that was the same build that they yeah. were showing. Because they, to my knowledge, they didn't make a new demo build for, for like a whole year. They were showing the same build that they showed at last year's E3. So everybody was just playing that version of the game, and that's why... And that version was really bad. I mean, it was as bad as did, it was. I didn't even say it was that bad. It's just um, yeah. interesting for the most part. And there were finicky things that I thought... And he said, you're wrong, you're wrong. He says, you know, they do have several months, and most of these issues are just tightening problems, so you know what? Mm-hmm. You might actually get the game you want. Yep. It's just this wasn't it. This preview wasn't it. Yeah. I felt the driving was a little too sloppy, too. So if they tightened that up, Yep. Good for them. They did. They did. And but the, yeah, I mean, the best I, thing about it though yep. was the fact I feel like I'm in Hong Kong. I feel like I could play tourist in Hong Kong and soak up the atmosphere. That was the best part. And every part of this demo said, "Yeah, but don't pay attention to that. Pay attention to this other thing instead." Mm-hmm. But that's your that's your selling point. That's the best thing in it. The verisimilitude of Hong Kong. Yep. It, like when I actually played it, I felt like I was. Well, it felt like Kuala Lumpur, really, because, you know, it's the same temperature, same climate, same everything. And people speaking Chinese at you, that was really cool. Because, I mean, it felt like Hong Kong, yeah. the It was great. A lot, that's what I liked about it. Like, you could walk up to people on the street and they would cuss at you if you pushed them. <laughs> Just like, like in real life. Yeah, it's in real life, you know? I mean, so what? <laughs> wait. I have a confession, is that when I was playing the game, I would just, you know, walk up to people and kick them in the face. <laughs> just like you would I, in real life. I'm imagining I, you doing exactly that. I, this, this was definitely the game, right? Yep. It was fun. <laughs> okay. Oh, and I just want to give a shout-out to Rock Band Blitz. I wasn't expecting much from that, but that is a really fun arcade experience. Mm-hmm. I love Rock Band, but I just didn't touch it. Never played it. Never played it. Never played Bl- I didn't play it a lot. Okay, moving on. September. Mark of the Ninja, Black Mesa, FTL Faster Than Light, Borderlands 2, Torchlight 2, The Testament of Sherlock Holmes, Tokyo Jungle, 
World of Warcraft, Mist of Pandaria, Bad Piggies. Or Pandaria. You started Pandaria. on such a good note, and then you just ended with World of Warcraft and Bad Piggies. Yeah, seriously. Well, I did chronological order. I know, I know, but it's just, Mark of the Ninja, Bad Piggies. It's just, ugh. I guess. Well, Bad Piggies is just more of the Angry Birds franchise. Well, yeah, but it's just, I mean, it's, like, it's just like, like it's, it's just, I mean, it's actually a cute little kind of inversion of the whole, you know, Angry Birds thing, where instead of slinging furious avians toward little pigs, it's like, now you're doing sort of like a... Self-defense. Yeah, no, it's kind of like a stripped-down version of Little Big Planet of creating these little vehicles and all that stuff and structures. So, I mean, it's cute, but it's just like, and then you go over to, like, the beginning of the month with Mark of the Ninja, and it's just, yeah. yeah. All right, all right. Oh, yeah, we don't exactly have, like, the big oomph that previous months had. Well, I mean, Black Mesa was a hell of an oomph. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I mean, it's just like, that, that broke the internet. Half-Life 1 in HD. I haven't played that fixing, fixing some of the problems. Okay, I'm waiting for it, it to release It wasn't just an HD. It wasn't just a remake. It was an improvement. I mean, they, yeah, they deepened the, the gameplay and the story significantly. They overhauled all those NPCs and actually made them into people. I thought it was a pretty strong effort. Black Mesa is... It, it would be a really good commercial game, but the fact that it's like a mod made by fans is absolutely incredible. In fact, it's, yeah. been, it's, it's a real it's a real labor of love. It's not just people that decided to remake Half-Life, it's people who get Half-Life and they get what that game's about. And so it's not a kind of texture-for-texture remake of Half-Life and, you know, in, in Source, the way Half-Life Source was. It's actually like a proper redevelopment, and so it's tweaked it in really subtle ways, like where you get the crowbar... Um, how certain events fold out. It's just, it's really, really good. Those mm-hmm. people deserve to be paid for their time. Well, they are going to. The amount of was, voice it was greenlit. On yeah, Google. it was greenlit. So. Yeah, it's coming out for free, though, I think. Oh, really? Well, I guess, I mean, because it's, you know, so Valve's IP, it. but... But Valve, like, gave the blessing to it, but they allow it on Steam, yeah. What Valve should do is buy it off them and give all those people lots of money and say, thanks very much. I think they're gonna do. I think they're gonna do what they uh, they always do: let them finish, then hire the entire team. Yeah, that seems pretty likely. Seems pretty fair too. Uh, Faster than light was also a pretty good release. That's still another one. I think that one's still continuing to captivate a lot of the people who. I gotta get to it. I gotta get around to it. It's it's a working trail in space. It's amazing. That should have been the tagline. Like the marketing tag. When I met the developers at IndieCade, it was just like, you terrible people. You made Oregon Trail in space, and now no one is going to have free time ever again. (laughs) (laughs) It's on sale right now. It's on Steam. You should pick it up. Well, not by the time they hear this. Yeah. It was was in a Steam sale last week, and you should have bought it. That's better. And it was a Steam sale the month before that, and the week before that, and it's been on Steam sale quite a lot. So basically what we're saying is there will always be a time in the near future where you can pick it up on sale on Steam. Yep. And even if you don't pick it up on sale, I mean, what's like the original market? It's ten bucks. Buy it! Some of the greatest games are the cheapest this year. Yep. Mm -hmm. No, Indies completely outstripped anything that AAA was putting out at their $60 price tag. Mark of the Ninja was it's another one I wrote for. It's like, it's like you know what? This is a, it's another one that I can enjoy intellectually. It's another one. Is this? And then about like, around the six hour mark, during just one moment, a little light switch went off in my head. He says, "Oh, it's what? like what was it? it? It was like a minor nothing. It was just just an event that was in the level, and it just my brain just a switch went off in my brain. 
and I saw the entire thing differently. As I wrote in the thing, it's like looking at a silhouette of two black faces and then suddenly seeing a white candlestick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it just clicked. And it is, it's one of those clockwork machines. You have to figure out how, it, how every part works and interacts to be able to get through without being seen. And it is a 2D ninja simulator, which no uh, which video games don't do. They don't. Ninjas are just badasses in pajamas. Yep. This one is actual ninja, and you're a badass because you can't fight, but never have to because you get around it. Seems, seems fair. Yep, I can yeah. agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I bought it. I bought it this week. I bought it this week. Yeah, I bought it yesterday. I bought it yesterday. Yeah, I thought everyone else yeah. bought it. I thought everyone else had played it. I'm the only no, one who played it. No, we. I haven't played it. Like I was talking to Jen Frank about it, and it's her game of the year. And she was talking about how it's very similar to uh, Hotline Miami in that, you know, you can, you, when you fuck up, you basically restart the level, but it's not frustrating because you, you, you sort of, it's a game that you kind of master. Like, you also, know, also happens instantly in the... Right, yeah, you just instantly you just restart, and then you start over from where you, you screwed up, and then you're like, oh, okay, you know, so you do it all over again, and then, and suddenly when you, when you get through the mission in one single run, you feel like a badass, right? I mean, that's how these games make you feel. So, yeah, I picked it up for that reason. It's definitely worth it. Yeah. Good on, good on Nels and good on Clay Entertainment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tokyo Jungle, Chris, you said you played this? Yeah, no, how I described it, I mean, what I have done, it's, it's on my game of the year list, and how I describe it is basically a revenge eating simulator. <laughs> <laughs> It's kind of basically Metal Gear Solid 3, but with animals. Just all animals. Oh, no steak and no, no monologues. It's weird. I mean, you know, as much as, you know, Alan was talking about diet as a really weird game, I think that Tokyo Jungle kind of, like, takes that weird and distills it into a hard liquor. <laughs> <laughs> I've played Tokyo Jungle, and I have to say, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like one of those games I really want to experience before the year is out. I, I'm really bad at it. I've only, like, I believe there are other animals, aren't they? The Chihuahua or the, um, Pomeranian. <laughs> uh, Pomeranian. But yeah, fuck if I can unlock them. It's, it's really, really tough. You know what? I just got to the <laughs> point where I unlocked the cat and I'm like, I'm done. I just, I'm just gonna play Jason in this game forever. Pomeranian. You could, you could get lions and velociraptors. Yeah, whatever. Cats. Where the velociraptors come from, I don't know. DLC. Oh. DLC. Oh, no, it's what? free. It's free DLC. It's free DLC. No, no, but why is Velociraptor? In the- I don't know. It's fun. There's, there's also <laughs> there's also salary men. You, you know how Japanese have salary men, right? I mean, these guys oh, they wear white men are animals. They wear Actually, white shirts and ties. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's a it's a really weird game. It makes really it basically makes no attempt at verisimilitude. I mean, it's not really a survival game, really. When you were talking about was it Crusader Kings uh, earlier this year, when you talked yep. when you talked about it like it being like a lineage game, a legacy game. Well, I mean it's the same thing with Tokyo Jungle. It's just like you're playing generations of the same sort of animal line and finding mates that will improve your genes, and then conquering territory and killing things and eating them until they explode into a pile of bloody bones and leveling up. And it's just and chick heroes that are really strong. It's just like it's so. Freaking weird. Mm-hmm. A note to listeners: that is a better and 
That is a much better and perfect description of Crusader Kings 2. It also sounds like a night out in any major British city. <laughs> Trying to find somebody to mate with and eating strange meat until the bones explode. That's uh, yep. <laughs> pretty, much, pretty much a night out in London. Yeah. Take another drink, Alan. Take another drink. I've got, I've got half this bottle finished. I'm really pleased with myself. <laughs> Okay, this is where Ian and I start to argue. Borderlands 2. Yes. Alright, let's get the blast shields up. This is another one I got in trouble for. And I actually finished it. Because I wrote a review on it. (laughs) Who did you write it for and what did you say? Uh, Pop Matters, I gave it a 5 out of 10. Oh my god, why? (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm going back to the whiskey. See you later. Explain your rationale for giving it a 5 out of 10. I fell the fuck asleep while playing it five times. Really? Did you play it with someone or did you play it by yourself? Yes, couch co-op. I wasn't even online. I had the person next to me and I fell the fuck asleep. Weird. Boring. Yes, all the technical aspects are great. It's boring as hell. Not to me. Well, I'm just saying... (laughs) <laughs> and the thing is, I didn't even put that in my review. I tried to explain it without resorting to those words. Just thinking it was boring as hell, right, yeah. Yeah, and, like, try to figure out, like, why is this so dull? And, and the best I can figure out is is that it keeps asking you to do the same thing over and over, but the, the same mechanical movement isn't interesting in and of itself, and it doesn't give you enough of anything else. Like, there are moments in it that are truly inspired like, but they're mostly just moments, and there's these huge gaps of nothing and traveling and repetitive actions in between those great moments. There's a, a side mission, or several, of growing intensity that is basically horde mode in the middle of an arena. That is one of the best parts of the game, is this horde mode, because the design is actually built to make the combat interesting for once. The rest, it's... Five guys run at you, you shoot them, you take ten steps. Five more guys run at you, you shoot them, you take ten more steps. Five guys run at you, you shoot them, you take ten more steps. And, oh my god. You did not the game. Another, <laughs> another moment where you shoot the, the Ninja Turtles. That's interesting. Or when it turns into good, bad, and the ugly. Or the bank robbery, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids style. That was fun. Mm-hmm. And then those are like, it's like a minute, and then you have to escape, and it's five more guys run at you, you right. shoot them. And steps, five guys running. Yeah. But you know, like I think, I think it really depends on where you're coming from because, like, when I played the game, I played it the same way that I play. I played the original Doom and Doom Two, and you know, Hexen and Heretic and all those classic shooters. And to me, Borderlands is one of those games that comes from. It comes from that that heritage. With Call of Duty, you have all these set-piece battles, and there are moments in Borderlands 2 which are akin to the Call of Duty-style thing, like the uh, Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid mission, or the bank robbery, or... uh the three-way duel. Right. Like, all the, I mean, the missions that you talked about, they are more akin to the missions in Call of Duty, where you basically have a, have a, have a vignette that you, know, that you go through, a narrative that pursues you know, that allows you to pursue the uh, mission. Like, there are parts in the game where the part where you're rescuing Roland, there's a very Call of Duty-style mission because you're fighting through these mutants, you know, these bandits, and then you go outside, and then there's all these robots. And that was, like, to me, that was one of my favorite moments because the music started kicking in when you go outside to the uh, the Bloodshot Ramparts area, it was called, because 
there were bandits, and then they were fighting against these these robots, and they're killing each other. And you go through that, and it's like, wow, you know, you, the the music just keeps amping up higher and higher, and it's like. That's cool. This is a very Call of Duty style experience. And then, you know, you talk about the rest of the game where it's very, you know, you just shoot stuff and they come at you and they shoot stuff. To me, that was actually very fun. It was very cathartic. Like, you found it boring, but I found it cathartic because I could turn my brain off, you know, the my frontal lobe. I turned off my frontal lobe and I just let my lizard brain just handle the rest. And to me, oh, that was fun. Hallelujah. Not again. Not again. Oh, she wasn't here for that, though. What are you talking about? You walked away without knowing. We didn't prepare you. My mouth's full of bread here. Um, <laughs> the story is I went for a sandwich, but I'm at my mum's house, so all I could find was three trifles and a loaf of bread, so I'm just eating bread. <laughs> yeah, I was just mentioning that I have a psychology degree, so every time somebody says lizard brain, something inside me dies a little. <laughs> but, but you keep talking. I'm sure whatever you were saying was perfectly valid. Uh-huh. Well... I find it fun on a mechanical level. Like, yeah, you, you said it's very simplistic, but to me it's like playing Left 4 Dead, where Left 4 Dead is a very simple game. You you, you run around Left with your buddies, and that's... Left 4 Dead was tense. There's no tension in this to offset the repetitiveness. Okay, in easy mode, yes, but once you play true Vault Hunter mode, it's very different. The experience is very different because you die very fast. So, you I know, died very fast in this one. I didn't care. I just... Okay, another run to the next thing. Yeah, run. I didn't do that. I didn't play that way. I played for survival, okay? Like, I played to survive because I didn't like dying so much. To, to me, dying is annoying as hell. Yeah, but the thing is, there was no punishment for it. It's like, after a while, wow, I have $50,000 and nothing to spend it on, and they're only taking 2000 every time I die. Wow, I could just literally run at this, fire two bullets at the bad guys, and eventually, after a while, when we were nearing the end and just wanted to have it be over with, mm-hmm. that's what we were doing. We, we gave up on strategy. We gave up on tactics. We were just became meat shield, I just trying to finish the damn game. I can relate to you because, like, when I play normally, like, when I just play the game normally, I try not to die because dying to me is frustrating. And it's fun when I play it that way. But when I was fighting a monster called Terramorphous, which is a raid boss, all we were doing was just running back. And dying that many times is just frustrating because one of my friends would stay alive so that the boss wouldn't reset, and so I could die as many times as I wanted to, or, you know, like, if, if I had to. Is that the final boss? It's not really a final boss, it's like after the game. It's after the game. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's just something that you can kill for loot. So there was this one boss in it, this huge mech, like a thirty-story mech. Yeah, and it was like, and it was standing on top of a bridge. Yeah, I like and that we one. literally just stood under it and right. just kept firing for about ten minutes, and it couldn't hit us. <laughs> I and I had a rocket launcher that per shot did over eleven thousand damage. I have no idea where I found it, mm-hmm. and I just and I emptied every clip I had into this thing, and the thing and the hit bar barely moved. Yeah. And I'm wondering. This is just to waste our time. Yeah, so I can literally stand are, behind this box and it can't hit me. To me, the game is a lot higher than a 5 over 10, but I think that Borderlands 2 is a, it's an imbalanced game. I mean, there are amazing moments, like you said. You know, the Call of Duty moments are great. The uh, the arenas are great because you have, you're motivated to survive, right? You're motivated to survive the wave so that you don't die and then you have to restart again, which is horrible. So those moments are really great because when you actually defeat those moments and you defeat a, a wave of monsters, it's like, oh, God, I survived that. You know, it's like it's the same feeling you get when you play Hotline Miami. You go through a level and then you're like, oh, God, you know, I actually did that. I did that. Oh, I'm amazing. But there are moments, like you said, you know, that we, it just feels 
if you die, you can actually help out your partner within the arena. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it took us forever to realize that. <laughs> so we were just, so the second person would just set that sit there. Anyway, uh, moving on because we uh, Torchlight Two apparently it killed interest in Diablo Three. October. Yep. Resident Evil Six, Pokemon Black Two and White Two, Dishonored, Fable: The Journey, Walking Dead Episode Four, Just Dance Four, mm-hmm. XCOM: Enemy Unknown, Of Orcs and Men, Silent Hill: Book of Memories, Hotline Miami, Medal of Honor: Warfighter, The Unfinished Swan. Assassin's Creed 3, Assassin's Creed 3 Liberation, Need for Speed Most Wanted, Pit. Good God. Okay, let's start. What game do we start on? Torchlight 2? Uh, well, I think we just did. What? What do you mean? You just yeah, did? Well, what, all I heard was Borderlands chat. I didn't hear any talk about Hotline Miami. Yeah, there was some Hotline Miami. It. Let's you kept comparing it. Well, well, okay, let's talk about... Since we're, we're already, you know, in... Hotline Miami. Yeah, let's talk about Hotline Miami. All right, so Hotline Miami is... It's a game about violence, but it's not really about the violence. It's more about the mechanical aspects of violence. I mean, it's a, it's a very mechanical game. Like, yeah, you see all these characters dying from overhead, and you're a murderer, you're a killer. But it's more of a puzzle game. That's how I see it. It's a puzzle game that's based on the aesthetics of Drive, the movie. The awesome movie with uh, I wish, I wish Randy Gosling. Stop making the, the Drive comparisons. It makes it sound like game journalists only saw one film that year. <laughs> like, I, I love... Well, I made the drive comparison to another game earlier this year. Didn't come out this year, so as long as the game was it? Out by Miami, I mean, Driver San Francisco. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that's a very drive-ish game. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. we're driving. Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Miami is in fact based on Drive. That's what the the creator said. The creator of well, yeah, Miami. They, they think the director is driving the crowds, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do thank him in the credits. Yeah, I was actually playing Hotline Miami today. That, that, my, my finger's on the pulse. And um, yeah. I still don't know what it's about. I mean, I, I'm about I'm about chapter 10 or 11, something like that, and I don't really know what to make of it, because, I mean, well, basically, I, I spoke to my friend Craig about it, and he said, have you finished it? And I said, no. And he said, right, shut up then. Go and finish it. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, and, go um, finish it, yeah. But yeah. Um, it's like, it's one of these things where, certainly whenever you're playing it, it's like, it, it's okay, but a lot of people have kind of hyped it as being like one of these you know, great landmarks for gaming, one of the best games of the year. But to me, it just kind of, it feels a little sloppy. There's something about it, like, it, it, in a way, you're right, then it's not, it's about figuring out mechanical systems, to figuring out how do, we, how do we beat this really bad AI, and, you know, defeating guards that are getting killed. But at the same time, there's this underlying sloppiness about it that kind of annoys me. It's like the things don't quite work. Like, whenever you go to shoot somebody, but they're outside, you know, your shotgun has this kind of minimum range, where if they're inside it, you can't hit each other. Mm-hmm. I think all these all these moments when you die over and over, and part of that is the extreme difficulty, and the, you know it's about repetition and learning these patterns. But at the same time, it's like it's not something like Spelunky or Dark Souls, where you get better as you play over and over. You die over and over in Hotline Miami because it just feels a bit slipshod to me. I don't know if that's being really unfair. To know it, I feel like it's kind of left me feeling a little cold, where I expected to like it a lot more. Because I played it, I went to Eurogamer Expo, and I really enjoyed it there. But when I got the finished product, I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. This is not quite as amazing as I was expecting. I played it as my role as a juror for IndieCade, and so I got an advanced copy. So I actually do not know if what I'm playing is actually the same as the final release copies that everyone is raving about. But I had a lot of the same issues that a lot of others that are having some difficulty getting through the game. It's just like sloppy mechanics and all that. And when I brought that up with Gus Mastrapa when I saw him at Indicate, it's just like, yeah, but I kind of like that about Cactus's work. So it's like at the, there's some point where you're either sort of on board with the kind of 
the messiness and the aesthetic and kind of like the tone of this sort of game, or you're not, and it's really one of those where there's really no sense in trying to change anyone's mind about this particular one because people's minds are generally made up about it. And I think it's pretty telling, really, apart from anything else that you can say about this, that most of the most vocal defenders are almost unilaterally heterosexual men. I have yet to <laughs> see a really strong, positive critique of it come from anyone apart from dudes. Oh, wait, Sarah really Ellison, really... who really loves it. Oh, well, there's one. Okay, never mind. There's one. Then I win. There's I one. win. Yay! Yay, take it! Yay, token woman! Yay, it's okay! It's a feminist game after all because a woman likes it! No, <laughs> no, 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 I don't, I don't mean like... I don't mean no, 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 I know, I don't know. I just, I just want to put that out that it's just like, no, that's not what we're saying. We're not saying it's okay because Kara Ellison was cool with it. She's a cool writer, but I think... I mean, that's what really put me off of it, apart from, you know, originally just not liking it, and then keeping on trying to get into it, it just, I just I didn't even recommend it for inclusion at Indiecade. That's how much I did not like it, and Aww. it got in anyway. So it's not like my vote was the determining factor there. So, but it's yeah. just like no, this is this is not my sort of thing. And it seems like all the defenses that have been brought up in relation to the game, or it's just like that kind of just puts me off it even more. It's just like the Far Cry Three effect. Where it's like, oh yeah, but it's a game about violence. We're talking about all these troops of people killing each other. It's like, yeah, but you also made a game where your guy goes around killing people. Yeah, but we were aware that we yeah. were doing that whenever we whenever we made it. So here's the thing when so it comes okay. to here's the thing when it comes to works about violence is that often, and I'm seeing this more and more lately because I guess this is how we view the world, is that it's always about the tropes about violence rather than the truisms about violence in the real world. So you end up, like, talking about how art interpretates violence or presents violence while being a piece of art that is presenting and interpreting violence. Well, here's the interesting thing about... But you're not doing it in how the world or society sees it. You're well, not he, how it actually... I think that's actually a pretty silly, salient argument, especially in light of the Sandy Hook yeah. thing and, you know, in light of the NRA presser, where it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah video yeah. games. I mean, I don't even know if that's for legit now, because I could have sworn that the Yes Men claimed that as a hoax of theirs. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it seemed like, seemed like some kind of spiff of what other people think well, of the British, the British media multiple times and said to the viewers, no, nope, this is not a spoof. Yeah, but yeah. then the Yes Men said, oh, we punked you guys. So it's just like, I don't know. It's so like, I need some sort of defense. No, it's real. It's real. It's real. It's completely so the, real. You can so the yes men were punking us about punking us. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because it was so ridiculous. Just how much of a self parody. This is why I can't live in this reality anymore. I can't live on this planet yeah. anymore. I'm getting in my spaceship and going away. Okay, but we're moving. On. No, right, I think it's totally true. It's just like we have all these games that are about the tropes of violence, as Eric yeah. said, but they really don't do more than just critique the representations. And what we're not seeing is really critiquing the cultures of violence that produce these representations. Mm -hmm. And uh, Spec Ops in that thing sort of walks a very fine line even between that. So as well, it is the tropes. It's more of the rep people interacting with the tropes rather than the tropes themselves. So even that's a fine line. But we haven't, like, got anything towards... <laughs> anyway. That was the line. That was the line in question. Here's the interesting thing about Hotline Miami is that the violence is not realistic at all. You know, they're just pixels. In between every mission, these masked characters, which I assume are, are basically your psyche, they talk to you, and they're like, you're a bad person. You, you murder people. Throughout the entire game, you're being told that you are a murderer, 
And that's what you're doing. You're just killing people because it's mechanically fun to do, and that's just what you do. It's a critique not on gamers, but like, but on how sociopaths work. You know, killing is a it's a very mechanical process for them. Like, if you've ever listened to an interview with a uh, with serial killer, he will just say something like, "So I shot him." The same way that you you might say, "So I had lunch," or "So I had dinner." Like a normal person might talk about how shooting him, I mean, shooting a person affected him emotionally, but a serial killer might just say, I, so I shot him. And that's how it is in this game. And you're over and over again, and your actions are horrible. You're an abominable person. Uh, here, this is an appropriate quote that I just saw. America is chaotic neutral, and anyone who tells you otherwise is probably using better, less nerdy system of judgment. <laughs> it just seemed wildly appropriate to this. Yeah, yeah it is. Okay, let's move on. Speaking of violence, Medal of Honor Warfighter, the only notable thing about it was the fact of its failed promotion, which we already talked about. Yeah. So Does anyone have anything to say about the game, or do I just choose something else? Don't buy that game. It's a piece of shit. That's the only thing I've got to add. <laughs> um, okay, then. I think not only is it a piece of shit, shit, but the people that came up with that marketing thing are total pieces of shit, and they deserve to They're be fired and to work again. Like, I don't mind Speaking the game. It's not a bad game, but, uh, yeah, the marketing... Those people, they tried to sell weapons with marketing from the game. Like, what the fuck? Who does that? This is EA's marketing department, right? It's EA it has, has many different... Get a new marketing I mean, department. But they, they, they tend to go to, like, actual here. dedicated PR firms to do an awful Yeah, yeah but they keep marketing. using the same one. It's not the same ones. It's different. It's this? many different companies. Oh. Yeah, it's many different companies. It's not the same yeah. people. Wow, that's... I mean, that's one, one property will probably have several different PR firms working yep. in different aspects of it. So How do they all fail so reliably? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Let's take a look at what happened with the Hire Hitman app and you know, the <laughs> Alexander's reaction to that. We'll get we'll to that get a little to. later in the month. Well, I mean, later in the year, I guess. But let's okay. talk about Speaking some of these of other games. We've got Dishonored okay. and Exxon and Under Swan and it's Ooh, Assassin's Creed. I'm, I'm getting Dishonored for Christmas. I'm getting Dishonored for Christmas. Yay! Yay! Yay. I was gonna Thanks, Mom. Speaking of pieces of shit, Resident Evil 6. Oh, subtitle. This is the one without the subtitle. It Resident just came Evil and went for me. Recapitulations. I mean, I remember just, when... I have how many the mainstream reviewers tore it to shreds. It's like 40 hours okay. long, isn't it? I don't care. Well, it's like games in there. There it are just, four it, games in one. It didn't <laughs> even really cause any sort of ripple to speak of. It's just, it's so forgettable. I remember when Resident Evil 5 kind of, there was like that whole thing with race and that kept the debate going for ages, I thought. And then this one's just like, huh? It wasn't even that good a game. No, I mean, this one is just, it dropped in a month of all these other far more creative and distinctive original IPs that it's just like, I mean, I just completely forgot that it even released in October. I forgot that we even had a Resident Evil 6. It's true. It's just it released in the first week and had the whole first week to itself. So I guess that's there was the talk it was. But yeah, it's just, it, I guess this is where you could say Resident Evil dropped the facade of horror. Is it, wasn't that in the fifth one? For the most part, but I guess you could make the argument that the unpleasantness of the race politics sort of made it horrific. Mm. And that it was ending, that you gave it enough of a pass that it was going to be over, except now, not really. To me, Resi 6 is like, it's a story of a Japanese developer looking at Western games and going, oh shit. <laughs> and that we have shit, guys, what are we going to do? Let's just, let's, just, let's just make four games. Fuck it, let's just make four. Why not? You know, we're Capcom, we'll do it. 
and then it came out, and it was just like four mediocre games. And the only ripple that was made was the that kind of ripple that gets made when a turd hits the toilet bowl. <laughs> I'm not quite sure whether to immediately flush and forget it, or if you want to get the benefit of the doubt and examine it to see where okay. it all went right. Okay, this was interesting to me because despite being almost not similar in every way, everyone seemed to compare them to each other. Dishonored and XCOM. It's like these two were being compared to They're completely Endless different games. They were? They were? No. I don't remember like, this. I don't remember that either. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Like I've never every read discussion an article, I've, at least in my memory, and my memory is pretty sharp. It's just like I remember an article that compares these two. You gotta listen to podcasts, does like a dozen podcasts. I hope you should say this while we're recording a podcast, but I don't listen to podcasts. <laughs> I don't listen to podcasts either. <laughs> you are. You <laughs> have fun. Yeah, I think that's a good is, reason not to listen to podcasts if they compare Dishonored like, to XCOM. Yeah, it was actually, it was quite interesting because it isn't like the mechanics or like the surface nature or anything, but like and it's not just compare, but compare and contrast because apparently they run along a very same emo- similar emotional spectrum, uh-huh. in different ways. I can't explain it because I haven't played either of them. It makes no sense. They're nothing alike. I played those games to death. I still play them. They're completely different <laughs> games. It's like, okay. It's like comparing Civilization to Doom. What the fuck? Who does that? Uh, the mainstream media. Oh my god, no, okay, so, Dishonored is, um, <laughs> Dishonored is a game that does Thief better than Thief, in my opinion. Like, some people didn't like the stealth mechanics, I actually love them. It's a, it's a game that doesn't penalize you for playing the way you want to. Like, yeah, it tells you throughout the whole thing that, you know, if you kill a bunch of people, you're gonna get a bad ending. And that's just something... Ran in the last level, isn't it? It's just something to keep keep in mind, but it doesn't actually affect your playthrough. You can just play the game however you want, and uh, it's lenient on you, so even if you do kill a bunch of people, you're not going to get a bad ending unless you really go out of your way to kill everybody. So, story-wise, it's okay. It's not fantastic. The character's a bit bland. It's like the characters you talk to, not really that great, but... But the setting, oh my god, the setting is so well done. I can forgive the characters for being a bit boring and having not much to say, because the setting is this Victorian Victorian era England where everyone is using power based on whale oil. And this is a world where whale oil is so advanced that it's combustible even. <laughs> I wanna I wanna hear Alan say whale oil. Whale oil. <laughs> <laughs> I'm easily amused. Just, Wait, just so, the thing about the thing about Dishonored for me was that you were saying about being about the characters now they weren't very well developed. And I played about the first hour of Dishonored, and it, this isn't really a spoiler, but at the start of the game, this Empress gets assassinated, and all these guys just rock up, just like put them out of the void, kill her, and leave. And then all the the Empress's other guards come and go, "Hey, Corvo, you killed her!" And the entire game could have been resolved by him just saying, "Wasn't me." Like, wasn't, wasn't me, guys. Like, but he's a silent protagonist. He's not allowed to speak. <laughs> but that's the best thing. Is like, Corvo, you have killed the Empress. And Eve's just standing there like an absolute moron. Just going, um, I am a silent protagonist. I have no way to defend myself. I'm sorry. I'm wearing, I'm wearing a mask. You, ever, can't, you can't really you hear what get, I'm saying anyway. Um, I may do as you well ever get the feeling like a silent protagonist, he says, so, you agreed to do this mission of... <laughs> he says, good, glad you agree. <laughs> I, I would pay good money for an RPG in which you actually do play Kenny McCormick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, is that a hint of things to come? I hope so. Well, not really, because that's not who you play in Stick of Truth, but... Yeah. 
I really, I really, really want that game. Anyway, XCOM. Try and keep it brief, because it's expansive, I know. This is a game where, like, all the story and enjoyment comes out of the random things that happen on the field, and the little minute vignettes that appear out of the mechanics. It's a really pleasurable game for me to play. It's basically Valkyria Chronicles without the race fail. So, well, without most of the race fail. And the Winnie the Pooh style aesthetics. Yeah. I like that. I didn't like it at all. I mean, I I didn't think it was a great fit for that particular game. I just, I like the aesthetic. I just, I I really like the squad mechanics of Valkyria Chronicles. And this is like a polished version of that. It is XCOM. That's what it is, you know? It's XCOM. I mean, it's like it's retro in a way that's not super retro. I mean, it updates itself yeah. in a way that I think is very fresh and productive. Yeah. One interesting thing I have to say is how the developer was selling it to, like, the standard dude. Yeah, girl. that was awkward. He should have just said his Valkyria Chronicles. There, bam. No, no, but they wouldn't have known he was talking about. That's not he, <sighs> that's he this argument. And it's just like, yeah. he's talking about this to these people. He says, so this is another shooter. Yes and no. It's a shooter, except, you know the guy that talks in your earpiece? Yeah, that's who you play. And to me, that was just a subtle brilliance of explaining it to people who wouldn't, who don't know XCOM. You play the guy ordering the soldiers about. It's just see, it's like StarCraft, but better. You don't really have to get into an elaborate sort of like repositioning. That's not who he's explaining it to. He wasn't explaining it to the average gamer. He's explaining it to the guy who plays, who buys two games a year, and that's it. I didn't think he did a very good job. I was, it was too embarrassing for me. I couldn't finish watching it. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I just, I just, I just shut it off and then went back to pining after the game and replaying the demo. I finally got a copy. R gave me a copy, so I'm happy. That's good. I swamp. Let's get some uh, niceness into this. If Journey hadn't come out yet, this would probably be one of the most beautiful games of the year. Yeah, but you know, Journey did come out, so it's like. Hmm. <laughs> well, we were talking about uh, Assassin's Creed Three, right? Yeah. The Swan. <laughs> oh, no. The Swan. I freaking love the Unfinished Swan, as should be evidenced by the entire article that I write about it in 5 out of 10 magazines. That really well copy-edited article, <laughs> really, and I have to say, the, the design of that page is particularly beautiful. <laughs> I agree. I especially like when you didn't take my HTML markup out of one of the paragraphs. Oh. <laughs> Did I really make that mistake? I think I saw that in one of the copies. No, no, I don't know if it actually got into the finished no. thing. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. We'll, we'll take know. a look at it later. Anyway, anyway. This is not the time nor the place. No, it's not. Really interesting so tell, is, tell me what you liked about it, Finished Swan. Honestly, this is that's one of the interesting things is that out of a lot of people who say they liked it, they all like have different interpretations and like different things about it and how it all comes together. Everyone likes how it all comes together, but in every person's mind, it's different in how it comes together. What Chris said about it and what she sees in it is vastly different than what I see in it. Okay. As I would expect it to be. And, like, another forum post, one who was, it was like, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that thing where there's a Tumblr that's exposing trolls uh, from Joystick. Mm-hmm. And then just the yeah, I saw that. Just Condit uh, runs it, right? Yeah, and one of them was, well, Unfinished one, and then it just one is, isn't, like, a shooter. I mean, what am I supposed to take out of it? Like, a boy trying to come to terms with his absentee <laughs> father and his dead mother by creating and then growing up as he learns to create and move and shape the world around him until he's capable of bringing out the light and becoming a greater person than his father was? Is that what you expect to get me out of this game? <laughs> and, like, the Tumblr response to that was, 
I have no idea what to say to this. <laughs> yes, yes is the answer to that question. And the thing is, I, I was nodding my head a lot. Yeah, you could. That's not what I read into it, but you certainly could get that. And it's valid and it's brilliant in its, I hate to use this word, but minimalism to create such, I guess, meaning, complex meaning into it and multi-layered meaning at that. And it's short, so it doesn't overstay as well. My initial impression after I finished it, the first one, was just like, this is like one of those storybooks that you give to kids when their parents divorce and you want to explain why daddy isn't living with you anymore. It has this certain way of like softening the blow of something that's very depressing and in some ways traumatic. And the fact that you can take it further than that into these other interpretations is, I think, where the interactive component of it actually being a game kind of like escalates it to a different level that you can yeah. take a look at it's just like this is you as an artist interacting with a canvas or this is you you know exploring such and such landscape and you know to me it was a critic's relationship with the artist mm-hmm. you this boy are the critics flattering and dirtying his work with your own with their own efforts and just I guess ruining the purity of what he created as you tr- as he gets affected mm-hmm. by outside influence and the demands of his audience and, you know, if you read interviews from the developers, I mean, it's pretty clear that this was, as most games are, it was mechanic first, story second. But you wouldn't really know that from playing it, I think. I think that the mechanics and the story interweave with one another in such a simple but oh. effective way. Okay, this is what it is. What could this possibly mean, these mechanics possibly mean, and then built it with that? And most people don't do that. They create a story, and they create the mechanics and try and shove them together. These guys looked at what, what they did in mechanics and said, what story can be built from this? You know when just this long silence happens after I finish anything? I, I feel like I said the stupidest thing ever. No, in my case, it's that I had my mic off, but... <laughs> <laughs> Assassin's Creed 3, both of them. Three, I mean, was a missed opportunity, and Liberation, I think, is one of those games that more people should have played but didn't because it was on the Vita. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, not the You got it right this time. Anyway, November. Uh, yeah, I actually said in my preview that if this doesn't live up to my expectations, I am going to cut its balls off because I am a big revolutionary history geek. It was okay. I like the character portrayals. Like, I mean, gameplay-wise, people actually really hard on uh, Assassin's Creed for some reason. I, it does combat a lot better than any other game I can imagine, actually. It's so fluid. The animations are brilliant. People hold it to such a... I think people hold it to such a high standard that people were telling me that Revelations... The the previous Assassin's Creed... They were telling me that Revelations is a terrible game, it's a bad game... You mean Recapitulations? (laughs) Uh Well done. Well done. Oh, it's a running joke that you will only understand after you listen to the podcast. So, anyway, Revelations was actually a really damn good game. It was beautiful, first of all, and... Why am I talking about Revelations? Anyway, I know it's a beautiful game, but I think <laughs> the Assassin's Creed franchise is such a high standard that it's impossible to meet anything. Like, yeah, the ending really blew, and all the Desmond parts kind of suck, because I pretend that those parts don't exist, and that I'm just playing the uh, the Civil War parts. So, I mean, the revolutionary parts. So I was I, about to say... Yeah, I actually liked the game for what it offered. It did everything very well, like the, the naval mechanics are great. The the character the storyline was was fantastic. I mean, if you ignore all the Desmond shit, 
the, the storyline was great, the characters were great, there was a sense of motivation, and there was a sense that the characters were being developed as you played, like Atham, uh, you know, his dad, the bad guy, I forget his name, but when you first meet him, he's like, he's not sure of himself, he could go either way, you know, he could be a bad guy, he could be a good guy, but then he turns out to be a Templar, right, and he becomes a really bad guy, he's a complete asshole, and it's like, okay, you know, this character developed in a very, very dark way, and uh, to me, that seemed more realistic than how a lot of other char- uh, games portray their characters in which, you know, a person is bad from the start. But here, it's like, oh yeah, people can go either way. Something I can relate to because anybody can go either way, as it were. Is there a period in there? No. There's no period in there. So, I mean, I, I okay. like... Okay, one last thing on the month of October. Need for Speed Most Wanted, probably one of the best racing games I've ever played. Is it I actually agree. replacing Driver SF for you? I don't consider that a racing game. I consider that a magical realism game that happens to deal with cars. Yeah, Come me on. too. Come on. <laughs> there aren't a lot of bad aspects with Paradise Paradise, but they, they took them out. And then Hot Pursuit, the one made by this company, was in my mind a terrible game. It had one of the greatest aspects and then did everything to get rid of it. Get rid of those good aspects. And here they took the good aspects and inserted it into Burnout Paradise, and it was brilliant. Okay. I'm actually going to put a very quick shout-out for Forza Horizon, which is another racing game, and I actually played it and actually really enjoyed it. So if you're in the shop and you see Need for Speed, you think, nah, that's not for me. Then maybe you should get that one instead. It was good. <laughs> they're two, yeah, these two games are... I mean, they're, get, they're, they're sim. They are... Yeah, one is a sim, the other one's an arcade game. So uh, if you like arcade games, if you like uh, Need for Speed Underground, definitely get uh, Need for Speed. Of course, course Horizon's not a sim. It's like uh, the handling's way toned back. It's like oh. it's pretty... It's just a kind of fun game. There's quite a lot of pink. You get a lot of pink in a racing game. That's a good thing, mm-hmm. isn't it? Isn't it? We all like a bit of pink. It was just... It didn't do um, its welcome. I got through the career in about 10, 12 hours, and I just really enjoyed it. Because like, the first game I kind of played through start to finish, and I like, yeah, I was like, satisfied with that. I didn't okay. do bits that were particularly bad. Anyway, yeah. Next month, October, thankfully, October was the largest month.